Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, Kevin Kaufman here and special episode this week of The Kevin and Fred Show. Fred and I had actually recorded something, but it was really just us sort of ranting and not really worth posting. And I was thinking about conversation that we had at our mastermind a few months ago. So we had a special guest, Brian Gubernick. Some of you may know Brian. And if you don't, I'm going to have him as a guest on the podcast here very soon. And Brian came in and had a conversation with us about the concept of time and how finite it really is. And so we talked about, he talked about many different things like the how many days a week, a year you spend with your kids or with your parents, depending on which way you look at it, how to set up a cheat system so that way you can get the most out of the time that you do have, really give away some tactical tools and things to just better plan for your life, whether that's your health or your relationships or your wealth, your business, your friends, siblings, all that stuff, right? Travel. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. This is directly from our private mastermind that Fred and I put on a few months ago and Brian came in and was a guest speaker at. So hope you'll enjoy it. I know I did. We'll see you very soon. Son or daughter or their spouse. They plan a movie or a vacation, a vacation. They're 
say, hey, who went on vacation recently? I looked at the handout. Cool, how'd you go about doing that? You just look and, you know, pick something on the map and go. I don't know. You went on Expedia, then you, you read reviews, then you price shopped it because you felt you know, did it. Right? And then you went to that, that destination and you looked at all the things you got to do. Then you asked people around, like, have you been there? What would you do? Here's what I'm doing. Right? Does that sound familiar? It's amazing how calculated we are about our movies and our vacations, but we don't do the same thing in our personal worlds, in our lives. That, to me, is, is pretty crazy. It really is. And I, I, I am, you know, I, I, I do have, um, I was going to say little kids, I guess they're not so super little anymore. My girls are uh, 11 and 10, almost 12 and 10. And probably those kids prompted me to look at how I'm managing my world, because much like, you know, probably like several of you, um, and, and Kevin and Fred were the same way when we were in 08, 9, 10, 11. I'm not here to tell you, like, to work hard. No, you're going to work your ass off, especially right now in the shipping market. Fact. Like, that hard work is is a key to success. But I was very, I had, I had no true balance. Like, I was going super hard in my business, and I did get up on stage once in an interview and was asked why you do what you do, and I said, oh, it's for my family. It's for my one-year-old at the time. Then I got off stage, and I'm like, wow, I feel like shit. Because that's not why I'm getting up every morning. I'm going to work. Then I felt even worse, because I'm like, why is it my family? What's wrong with me? And I had to go on this whole journey to figure out what the hell was going on. So getting back to the point we're talking about today, this, this dive into your own concept, yeah, this idea of time is truly finite. I want to show you what I'm talking about here. So I borrowed this from a friend of mine, uh, Fred Weaver. He sent this to me a couple days ago, but I want to read it to you. A lot of words, but I want to read it to you because I think it's really powerful. Whatever age you are today, your future self would love to be it. Most people do not consider 65 to be a young age, but when you're 75, you probably rewind to 65 and regain those years. Few people would describe 35 as your youth, but in your mid-50s, your mid-30s will seem like the young you. Today is a great opportunity, no matter your age. Looking back in a few years, today will seem like the time when you were young and full of potential, or the moment when you could have started early, or the turning point when you made a choice that benefited your future. The moment in front of you right now is a good one, so make the most of it, James Clear. That's a pretty badass quote. You might want to read it a time or two. Like you literally at this very second are the youngest that you'll be moving forward. That's it's pretty interesting. Like I hear all the time, I'll see when I have this conversation, you know, I'll, I'll talk with somebody and I'll see that look on their face like, I'm too late for this. And when I read when I read this quote, I'm like, too late, that's bullshit. Because if you if you're 70 and you think it's too late, how do you think you're gonna feel at 80? Like the 80-year-old you is gonna want to be wish they were the 70-year-old you. Right? So really, really interesting quote. Now, as we talk about time, though, I want to give you some graphics here. That little guy represents a year. Here's what 90 years would look like. 90 years. Nothing special here, just 90. Here's 90 years in months. <laughs> you see the Kevin out right there. You talked about that at all yet? Yeah. 90 years in months. Fridays. This is the first time I've ever looked at it on a slide this big. That is definitely like I'm seeing spots and, and things now. There's a small little message in there. It says numbers. I don't know. So there's, there's your Fridays. There's your Fridays. Uh, I think that would be 90 years worth of Fridays is what I think I have in there. Pretty interesting. Kevin was just talking about this. How about winters? about winters in your life? Now, you mentioned snowboarding. You can see I have 44 X's there. I've gone through 44 winters in my life. Now, I'm, I'm here. I'm in Phoenix, right? Winters mean snow to me. We have to physically go to snow. If I think about skiing or snowboarding, right, my family, we get like a, snow, a ski trip in a year, spring break, tell you ride, we drive up there. I get like, we're there seven days, I probably get five days on a hill, right? So five days per year is what I'm getting. To Kevin's point earlier, I'm 44 now, I don't know if I'm still getting those same days in at 65 or 75. So really, if you want to break it down, if I've got 20 more years, let's say, going like that, it's 100, 
four snowboarding days. Pretty interesting when you start thinking about it that way. Right? Like, how are you taking advantage of those days? How are you living the time in the mountain? Are you at the bar watching the game? It's cool. You're doing it. But you're aware of the fact that that, now you have 99 days or 98 days or 97 days or 12 days or 6 days. It's pretty, like, crazy when you start thinking about it that way. The one that gets me more than winters in my life are actually ocean swims. I love the beach. I love the ocean. Anybody else like the ocean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, So we get, you know, if we didn't cheat the system, when I say cheat the system, getting more purposeful around this, therefore getting more days, I think the average person is probably getting a couple days at the, at the beach a year. Is that safe to say? Maybe not this room. This room probably takes a little, you know, takes a little bit bigger trip. But your average person, they get a couple days, they don't live next to the beach. Good. How about getting in the ocean? The average person goes to the beach and never even puts a toe in the ocean. In fact, look around. There's a million people on the beach. There's only a hundred in the water. Especially if you go left. If you go left, the water's really cold, man. <laughs> right? But it begs the question, yeah, the water's cold, but if you're getting two, three days a year at the beach and you're 44 years old and you think you're going to make it, you really make it to like 80, okay? I'm trying to beat that. Like, I'm trying to get it further. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use 80 for my calculations. If I'm normal, if I don't change things, 36 more years, two days per year, 72 more days at the beach. Man, that is not that many days. Think about 72 days from today. Like, go back 72 days. But you're really talking a couple months. Right? That's all the beach time we have. Now, for those that have kids, who has kids? Okay, cool. Days at the beach with the kids. Right? Like, how many parents, how many of us, we're all guilty, I'm guilty of it. Go to the beach with the kids, and you're sitting at the beach, and they're like, Dad, let's go do this. Right? Better, better still be Daddy in my house, even though they're a little bit. We haven't dropped the line yet. That's coming. It's Daddy, let's, let's go do this. Let's go explore. And how many of us are like, oh, I just read this book and just chill for a while. Or, hey, I'm just having this corona, wait for Snoop Dogg to go walking by. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I've been there, right? But how many more days, and Kevin was really messing with me, uh, uh, mentioning this, how many more days is that kid going to say, let's go explore? How many more days am I going to get an opportunity to go in the water with them? With right? At the very least, if we're older and they invite me, you know, to go hang out in the water with them or whatever, I, I damn sure I'm not going to be picking them up and throwing them in the waves. How many more days do I get to do that? Right, so when I, say, when I say this, you see I get real fired up on this. I've taught this a hundred times, and I still get, like, the hair on the back of my neck stands up because it's so, it's so important that we think about this stuff. To me, the key word here is awareness. Right, like, you're, if you're aware that time is finite, if you're aware that you only have a handful more of these days, and you choose to still read the book, that book or read the corona, I'm cool with that. I'm not getting on your case about that. I have an issue, though, if you don't think about it. Why? Because I read the same article many of you guys have read with the nurse that was in the hospice interviewing the dead, the, 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 that had a couple more weeks left, a couple more months left. And every one of them said the same damn thing. The five regrets of the dying. Have you guys ever seen that stuff? Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. People, five regrets of the dying. And you're going to see uh, this article written by this nurse. Uh, I think it was like in an Australian hospice or something like that. And she talks to those that have a few weeks left. And what do you think they were saying? Think they were saying, man, I wish I would have made more money. Or, man, I wish I would have worked more. No, they say things like, I, I wish I would have lived the life I always wanted to live instead of the one society wanted me to live. I wish I would have created more memories. I wish I would have spent more time with so-and-so. I wish I would have said sorry. Like, these are the things people really care about. Right? Not what everyone's grinding at. Now, if you're starting to feel a little weird, if this is making you a little uncomfortable, because I can see, like, the energy always gets weird about right, about right now. It's about to get weirder and weirder. I'm not promise you. But if it feels weird right now, that's good. I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. Right? If you're mad at me about some of this stuff, I'm totally cool with that. You're going to be madder here in a moment, so stick with me. Okay? Because I want that you, you should feel that way. You should feel that way. Right, so when I look at ocean swims, when my daughter asks me to go do something, I may not want to go do it. I may want to hobble out there, 
church ain't going to do it now. Because it's not going to happen much more. How about football seasons? Now, um, this doesn't matter much to some of you guys, I'm sure. Um, it does to me, though. I'm a, I'm a football fan. I'm a football family. My dad and my brother, and we, we all grew up in sports. This is a big deal to us. Um, the Cardinals suck, which is a real challenge for us. But the but the the point here is, we always think about Super Bowls. Again, everybody has their version of this, right? Fill in the blank for your version of football today, right? So, how many more Super Bowls do I have? I've been really 44 Super Bowls. I've seen 43, so we figure I don't know. 45 more Super Bowls, but working off that same math I was giving you earlier. doesn't seem like that matters. It shouldn't matter. So that's, that's important to, to, to us. My dad comes and hangs out. My mom hangs out. We have a big party. Every year we pray the Cardinals are going to one day freaking get there again. I don't know if that's going to ever happen, but my point is, is football is a big deal. Sports are a big deal. What is your equivalent to that? Uh, I think football seasons are an interesting one. This one hit me two days ago. That's my younger one. I freaking think that costume's a joke. Like, hilarious. You see these kids run around and blow up guys and dinosaurs. How many more times am I going to see this kid do this? But the holidays with the kids, it hit me two days ago because I said to my older one, Avery, um, I said, hey, you know, every year we get a, I have a golf cart. Like, we actually go pretty hard for Halloween. Um, and we drive around the neighborhood and all that stuff. I'm like, hey, you know, what are we going to do this year? She's like, uh, so I think I'm going to go hang out with my friends. She's 11. I'm like, what do you mean you're hanging out with your friends? She's like, I've got, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, all these kids' names. I don't remember any of them. I think they're all new every time I hear them. She's like, Daddy, you've known her since she was two. I, I don't know. Anyways, she's like, she's like we're, we're, we're all getting together. We're all dressing up as disco, and we're going to trick-or-treat in such-and-such neighborhood. I said, well, should I come in? She says, no, you're not. See that I didn't think about this one. My trick or treating with my 11 year old is out. Now, I'm happy that we've gone hard for Halloween and we've had a great run. I just didn't expect it to be right now. So, how many more Halloweens with the kids? Uh, here's the thing, and, and I, I, I want to run some, through some math with you. There's a lot of numbers up here. Just, just don't look at them just yet. I'm going to talk through it with you. Uh, normally, I work through a slideshow. Anybody going to Bill Cal tomorrow? Okay, I'm going to do the same presentation. So just kind of like smile like it's the first time you've heard it tomorrow. Uh, I had to condense it because I only have 20 minutes. And usually, I like to work through the math. That's Avery and Katie. Avery's my older one. Katie's younger one. They only wear that in the house and at dance. They do not go anywhere else <laughs> in those outfits. So if you're, like, if you're looking at that, you're like, shit. Yeah, they, that's just the house, okay? Um, and I was thinking about having my older one on the uh, stage with me tomorrow when I when I go through this. I, I know she'd be super embarrassed, and that's kind of how we do it in our family. So let's take my one on the left there, Avery. Okay, she's 11. Okay? So I'm going to use her in this example. The average kid, the average kid and, fam- and, and, and parent spends 300 days per year together from the time the kid is zero until the time the kid is 18. 300 days per year. Okay, let's pause. For me, that makes a ton of sense. I'm on the road. I'm doing some things. There are plenty of time that I'll leave in the morning before the kids are awake and I'll get home when the kids are down to bed. That happens, right? So 300 days. That sound realistic to you guys? Average kid after the age of 18 spends 30 days per year with their parent if they live in the same town, and 10 days per year if they don't live in the same town. Okay, think about that. If I didn't, my parents live 10 minutes north of me. If I did not cheat the system, if I didn't do things differently, I'd see my parents two or three times a month. If you think about it, I'm busy during the week, family's busy, we always have weekend activities, maybe we get breakfast, maybe we get dinner, whatever it may be, two or three times a month. Makes sense? 30 days if you're in town. 10 days if you're living somewhere else. Maybe fly in for Thanksgiving or for the holidays or whatever it may be. For this example, my kids are not allowed to move far away from me, so we're going to stick with 30. 
Okay? So 300 days per year, 0 to 18, 30 days when they're 19 and over. So Avery is 11, and I'm 43. So in seven years, I'll be 50, and in seven years, she'll be 18. Okay? You all, you all follow me? I know you guys can see it already on everybody's face. You know where I'm going here. Um, if I do this math, so far, I've spent 3,300 days with Avery on this planet. 11 times 300. Over the next seven years, I'll spend another 300 days per year with her, so another 2,100. When she's 18, I'm 50, I think I'm going to live till 80. Maybe I'd make it 85, 90, 95, 100. I'm going to use 80 for my calculation. So when I'm 50, I've got 30 more years, and my daughter's not allowed to move away from me. 30 times 30, if I'll cheat the system, is another 900. So really, I've got a total of 6,300 days I will, I will spend with her. And I've spent 3,300 days with her already. Which basically means that I've spent 52 to 53% of my total time already with my freaking 11 year old. My 10 year old is 50, 48%. When I used to do this, this a few years ago, I'd be like, I've spent 42% with my 8 year old. Or if you want to go down, like you have a 4 year old, it's shocking that you've spent like 20% of the total time already. Like, if I go 1,200 out of 6,300, what is that? That's like a 20%. With a four-year-old, one-fifth of the total time, kids four, you're out. Unless you cheat the system. Yeah, man, that's, that's really heavy. And I'm not apologetic when I share it because we have a tendency to go through our lives not being very purposeful around these things that we deem most important. Right? So I look at um, how do I maximize the moments I have. Right? Like now, mind you, if you're at the office and you're working, and again, I really believe we're already working super hard these coming months and years for you. I mean, I, I think that's happening, okay? And you're at your desk and you're working on something, and that something is super important, and you stay and work on it. I'm not saying don't do that. Just to be clear, I'm, I'm, all I'm trying to say is think about what is given up in its place. I am the guy that has the picture of the kid next to the desk. And I would look at that picture and make the decision. If I, when, they, when they were younger, I'd say either I'd stay here and work on the short sale file or whatever it was I was working on, and I'd miss this kid and the kid's going to be in bed by the time I get home, or I scrap what I do and I go home. I just look at be more purposeful around it. Now, you know, where, where, where many of you have already gone mentally, you know, you're running the math, maybe in your own kids, uh, I know where a lot of people go, you got to go to your parents. And I'm not going to go do that for you right now. First time I ever taught this, I started with parents. It was the worst presentation I ever gave in my life. Because you know exactly what the math's going to tell you. I'll tell you mine. Right? My dad's 70. I told you how far Kubernetes are probably going. And I'm probably 93, 94% of the time there. My mom wants to come to the presentation tomorrow. I said, Mine can't come. Right? I'm not having that. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. But no, no, I can't come to this one. 93 to 94% of the way there. All right? I get it. Sucks. And I can do something about it right now. I can do something about it right now. Guess what? I hate baseball. I don't like the Diamondbacks. But guess who was a, guess who's a season, uh, season ticket holder? Why? Why do I have season tickets? Because my freaking dad likes baseball. And I can get him out of the house and go watch a game. If it's not coaching high school football, he doesn't give a shit about anything. So this like sports. I mean, I get into baseball games. I don't want to go sit at a baseball game on a Wednesday. I've got so many things going on in my life. Nine innings of baseball is tough. But I can do four innings. And it's four innings I'm sitting next to them that I otherwise would not have. When my parents kind of kind of retired a handful of years ago, my dad went to the golf course every day and loved it. And you know what my mom did? She sat on the couch. 
because she was wired like many of your parents. Work, 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 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. And then you take that away, and she's like, what the heck am I going to do? And so what did I do? I'm like, if I don't do something, she's, number one, not going to be in a great headspace. Number two, I'm not going to see her. I hired my mom 10 years ago. Don't get me wrong. Get, don't get me wrong. My mom is a killer, killer partner, employee, whatever, I wanna, whatever you want to call it. She's incredibly talented. But I didn't hire my mom for her talent. I hired my mom because I now see her every single day. Right? And I'm the only 42-year-old probably on this planet whose mommy still manages the money. That's a whole different story. <laughs> but I see her every single day. When I say cheat the system, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Does that make sense? So it's an awareness thing. What can you be doing? Now, if you don't have kids or your parents, you know, you've got a different relationship with them, fill in the blank. We all have things we care deeply about and we neglect them. So I think around, okay, now that we know all this stuff, what should we do? What's our action steps here? And this is the abbreviated version of a much lengthier um, presentation. But what, what I really encourage everybody to do is truly start life planning. And when I say life planning, I don't mean like, you know, uh, figuring out your financial and wealth plan. That is a component of it. But I'm talking about planning exactly how you want to uh, be remembered by your kids. I'm talking about how you want your friends to speak of you. How you, what, what, what legacy you want to live, uh, leave and leave. What charities you want to impact. And be purposeful around designing where you want to go, and then be honest with yourself and figure out where you currently stand. I actually think one of the most impactful things you can do is write your own eulogy. And for some people, that's like, oh, that's so morbid. I think it's bullshit. If you get to write exactly how you want to be, like write your own eulogy, and that's your objective, and then you can say, here's what I want to be, here's where I'm at today, and then you can connect the dots, you can design the specific commitments you need to make, such that you're remembered for the way you just designed, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can ever do. <laughs> ever, ever, ever do. And when I say write your own eulogy, just to be super clear, what I'm thinking about, I want you thinking around who's sitting in the first three rows of your celebration of life, or whatever it may be to you. Who sits in those first three rows? Go yell out. Who do you think sit there? It's not a trick question. Kids? What's that? Stepmom? Who else? Spouse? Friends? The people closest to you. You know, one thing, it hit me a little while ago. Uh, you know who else sit in the first three rows? Ideally, I mean, again, if I'm eight years over that, people I don't even know yet. Specifically, grandchildren and maybe even great-grandchildren. Those kids will be in my world at that time if all goes well. Right? So when I say write your own eulogy, I mean, you're actually having to forecast, you're having to talk about things that don't even exist or not even, I have an 11 and 10 year old, I mean, like talking about grandchildren right now, scaring the hell out of me, right? But that's the truth. You've got to write about, you've got to think about who's in those first three rows. What kind of stories would they be telling? Now, you don't have to ask, answer that. What kind of stories would they be telling one another? Remember, you're, you're over here, they're watching over here. What stories are they telling? Are they laughing? Are they crying? Right? Are they sighing? Like, what, what, what are they doing? Right? What are those conversations being had? I'm telling you, when I say write your own eulogy, shape those. Design what you want them to be. I know I'm a little sick and twisted, and obviously I've, 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 I've been working on this, you know, working on in this, in the, in this world for a little while, but I do think about that those two kids. You know, I think it, they're going to get up and speak about their dad. But what are they going to say about their dad? Right? Like, if I can design exactly what I dream these kids saying about me, what would it be? And then, how am I living today relative to that? You know, I want Avery to get up there and say, my dad was always there for me. He was, he, he, he was someone I could talk to about anything and everything. Right? Whenever I had confusion or concern or fear or excitement or happiness or joy, my dad was the first person I called. And I could go on and on and on, but imagine my kid, like if I said, I want that, and now I've got to be honest with myself and say, where am I at today? 
think I'm chipping away, but there are things that I could be doing much better at such that I influence that outcome. To me, that's being purposeful. And it's heavy, and it's hard, and we talk about business and wealth, and these things are super important. But I think this stuff's even more important, these life experiences, these memory dividends. Now, I'm writing your own eulogy, uh, is weird. And I write up here as an action step, I'm going to tell you, get weird. That sounds weird. Get weird. But here's what I think. I think that, by definition, weird is what? Doing things different than the status quo. If you're doing things different than the status quo, you are perceived as weird. And I say, hell yeah. Right? Like, you're all in here today, spending time and, and, and learning and doing all the things that you're doing. And there's million, a million other, you know, agents and teams out there not doing the same thing. You, by definition, are weird. But I'm like, so I'm asking you, what are you doing in your world that's weird? If someone were to look at your schedule or the way you behave or what you eat or how you train or how you manage or plan for your relationships and how you write your own eulogy, whatever it may be, would I say that's weird? And if the answer is maybe not, well, I'm going to challenge you and say, you might need to get a little weird. Right? What time are you waking up? What are you reading? Who are you hanging out with? What kind of conversations are you having at your dinner table? We go on and on and on, but I would do an assessment and say, how weird am I? And if you don't feel that weird, I'm going to tell you to ratchet it up. And the last thing I'm going to say is take no days off. And what I mean by no days off is not work around the clock. I'm not saying obsess over this either. I just really believe in every single day, be it a minute, ten minutes, an hour, two hours, you can get better at something. We can improve the relationship with a kid. We can improve the relationship with a friend. We can bury some sort of some sort of pain or challenge that we, we refuse to get rid of. We can get a little smarter. We can get a little healthier every day, every single day. To me, that would be no days off. You know, again, I'm not saying obsess, but if you got up every morning and did 10 push-ups, and you did that every day for a year, I promise you, you will be stronger. That takes you all of 20 or 30 seconds, or maybe some, some of us. Never mind. Seriously, <laughs> though. You know, we used to, we used to, uh, um, you know, Kevin was just talking about it earlier. He was talking about uh, we used to own this gym, this CrossFit gym, and all the, and, and, and everybody used to. Um, we had so many people that would come in and work out, work out like so hard, and inevitably they'd say to my partner Derek, they'd say, "I'm not making the progress I want to make. Like I'm working out so hard, and you know I love it here, and I'm making progress, but I should be doing more." And, and you know what? What it always, what it always came down to, they weren't eating right. And everybody was overwhelmed, but like, what the food needed to be. Derek's response was, yeah, just eat broccoli. That's what he'd say. And people would be like, eat broccoli? What the hell kind of advice is that? You're supposed to like coach, you're supposed to get... And he'd say, he'd say no, I don't want you to eat broccoli 24-7. All I want you to do is swap out one thing on your plate every night for broccoli. Because you know what that one thing is? It's the shitty portion of your dinner. It's the fries, it's the cheese, it's the whatever, the, you know, the carbs that you didn't need. And he just said, eat broccoli. And let's eat broccoli for a while. And then over the course of time, we'll chip away at the next thing on your plate. And we'll add something or we'll pl- replace something. Or we'll add water, whatever it may be. When I say no days off, that's kind of what I think about. Just figure out your one-minute activity or your broccoli. And we'll chip away at it. And same with these relationships. A lot of times people take this stuff and their time like, okay, I'm going to flip it off right now. Well, it's not going to happen. But everybody can leave here today and maximize their time, uh, their calendar time on their on their, their work schedule. But maximize their time and elbow them. Make sense? Okay, cool. So I'm going to stop, I think. Yeah, I'm going to stop. can actually call on you to, I would love for you to share that. This is intense, and this is weird as hell, and it's, and it's, I think it's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, well, yeah, let's do it back here. So, before I think there's anyone back here, I'd seen this uh, years ago, 
there's some people who want to wait in life. I actually got to this because of the book. I just thought I remembered that I'd seen this. It's it's like one of the slides Brian had up there. Each lot or each dot is a week. Each row of dots is a year. Mindset for 90 years because uh, that's just what I said that. And also coincides with some of the financial models that are inside the book. Dial zero. So I did, I picked some numbers went with it. So I I just bought a file on Etsy, had this printed out, and it's literally hanging next to my bed. And every Monday, I just fill in another uh, circle. To Brian's point, I was talking about this with who was talking. I forget who we were talking to yesterday. We we're talking to someone yesterday, or maybe I was. I don't know. The whole even if I, it's not like I sit here and go with grandma and eulogy or anything like that every every week. Worst case scenario, though, it's it's a minute. Like I gotta pick up the marker and walk over to the to the wall and color it in, and I've gotta take that in for a second. And go, shit, there goes another week. Like there goes there goes another week. So it's the awareness factor that Brian mentioned uh, a couple times over the last 20 minutes or so. That for me has been super important. If anybody's like interested in this, I've got a file. I'm happy to email it to you. You can just have a you can have a period any size. I can find the mission. It's going. Uh, not so great. It's okay. Big one. Side matters there. So, but it's, yeah, it's not heavy. I, I think about, I, don't, I mean, or it, it is heavy, but I, in a lot of ways, it, it's sobering, but it's, I mean, it's, it's also, like, equally inspiring. Sound funny, but uh, yeah, uh, 
this exercise, you're going to so you there, there are what I believe to be life accounts. Okay, we all have life accounts, and and, and examples of life accounts would be health, um, relationships, but specifically like individuals. So like wife, for me, kid, one kid, two. Friends, social, um, maybe siblings, spiritual. Sorry, I can't spell that. Travel, you know, like experiences. These are examples of accounts, okay? Like life accounts. Health, different relationships, your parents, wealth, business, money, friends, like social circles, siblings. Um, spirituality for, for, for many, travel experiences, and fill in whatever. I mean, you've got other components, other uh, components of your world that are important to you. Some of these accounts of yours probably have really positive balances. Right? Like if you think about like dollar, like, 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 a, like a checking account. Some of these accounts have really high balances. Some of these accounts likely have relatively low balances. Some of these accounts, for, for some of us, they're actually overdrawn. They're negative. So I share this because when you start thinking in this way, you have got to put these accounts in order of what matters most to what matters least most. And they all very, they all matter a lot. Does that make sense? And as you start to prioritize, I'll tell you for me, I'm a firm believer. Actually, I think we should all think this way, which is not normally something I say. Health should be everybody's number one. Because you can't honor any of the other accounts if you're not feeling great, alive, and doing it. Okay? So health, health should be your number one. It's not big on anybody. Um, but I do think health has to be number one. Uh, my wife is number two. My kids are 3A and 3B, and they rotate between A and A, depending on who I like more that day. are four, my wealth is five, my parents are six, and then it just goes somewhere else from there. Now, mind you, what I just said, and I'm getting long, very long-winded answer, I haven't mentioned my brother and my sister, who I love a lot. I haven't mentioned anything about my social. I've got personal growth that's on here, like personal growth that's on here, too, for me. Um, I haven't mentioned friends, siblings, I haven't mentioned spirituality, but you suddenly realize, like, those things are super important. They're just not as important as number number six. So when you start living this way, you're looking at time, and you're saying, okay, I have time that's limited. It's finite. I need to allocate it to what's the highest priority. You are then saying no to these other things, like my brother, who I danced with my brother yesterday, which is the first time we hung out in, like, three, four weeks. And I'm really close with my brother to talk, right? But he's not moving up here. Now, what's interesting is as you get older, what you'll find is friends and family relationships move up higher, and money and all those things move down. Like where I'm at in my life right now, I'm building. I've got family. I've got activities for the kids. Like, so that's the trade-off. But you got to be okay with that, and that's easier said than done. Now, mind you, if you start spending time on these things, you, you rank lower. Okay, I'm all right with that. I'm not giving you a hard time. Just be aware of the fact that they're not really rank lower than what, you, what you're really, what your actions are saying is that they're actually further up here. Your friends matter. Like, don't tell me your friends are down here when you're spending all your time up here. Right? Just recognize what's priority and what, what you think is likely. Maybe by design as a result. That sort of. really tricky, and I don't know if I have the exact answer on this. A mentor of mine uh, and Kevin and Fred once said, uh, uh, 
Uh, I, and I, I think about this all the time. Uh, he had said on this journey, on this journey that you're on, whatever journey you know, you're embarking on to build something bigger and better than it was yesterday, which if you're in this room, you're on that same journey. certain things and certain relationships and it's going to have to be okay. It's just going to have to be okay. You're going to have to get over it one way or the other. And when he had said that to me, I immediately thought about um, my, my uh, a really good friend of mine named Damien. And Damien and I grew up together. We played football together uh, in, in my 20s. He slept on my couch all the time. Even when I got married, he was still hanging out on my couch. And one day I decided to get serious about life and business. Um, and really what I've done is my wife was pregnant with her first kid. I went a little, I went like kind of late. Like I went late 20s. Like I did not get serious until I was like 29. Um, and I, I remember thinking like, Damien can't be on the couch anymore. Like I've outgrown this relationship. And it sucks and I love it. But it's going to have to be okay if I'm really this committed and serious about other priorities. So it's not a great answer. I think that it's a, 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 I don't think there's a system or a model for it. I think it's an awareness thing, and you have to figure out a way to get comfortable with it. Because if you're not uncomfortable with it, like if you're not, like, I'm sorry, if you're not comfortable with it, then that uncomfort's going to drop right back in your world, and you're not going to progress. Now, I do believe, and again, you know, being around this room, and this room, I, I really have experienced, and how many of you have the same exact experience, you are the average of the people you spend the most time with. You are the average of those five. I'm a big believer in that big five. I used to think it was corny and cliche. And now I've lived it. And, and um, I can tell you, I think it's very true. You are, you are the average. How you behave is the average. Your income level is oftentimes the average. And when I go back to when I was 28 or 29, I realized I was the top of my five. And so one action step that you might be getting around, and I obviously I don't know much much background, but maybe it's getting around certain people that are living a certain way that you believe maybe you should be one strive a little to. And I do that even still right now. But I'm like, it's funny, but your five, and again, many of us have experienced this, um, your five star local suddenly have to, you, you have to get on a plane to go, to go hang with this five. That's the way, that's the way it works if you're growing. And that was kind of, again, long-winded answer to your question. I think it's got to just, just got to do it. Just got to get comfortable with it. But also make sure you're creating an environment that's supportive of you being comfortable with it. I think for me, and I'm not saying this is the answer, I think I just started getting around a lot more people that never live in this life or explain to me, Brian, you can't let your work define who you are. You're, 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 you're blind right now. Like, you're being stubborn. Like, you take advice from me, someone who's been doing this for X decades or whatever it's been. You know, and then you read the five regrets of the dying. And I think I just, that stuff started just showing up so much in my life where I was like, okay, I don't know everything. Like, I've got to, I've got to, uh, there's more to it than this. I think I was really, I mean, I think it was a driver for me just being around people I aspire to be like or, and when I say being around, I don't mean just physically present. You know, I think I started ratcheting up the amount of reading I was doing, what I was listening to, the growth I was being purposeful and getting into, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know if that's like the perfect answer for you. I think it's, it's a conscious decision that you make when you decide that you want to achieve, you know, you start defining your achievement a little differently. That makes sense? Right? Like for me, my, my achievement at that stage was very much what's the net income of this business I own? And I think when I started studying others that had come before me, I realized that's flawed thinking. And I had to go on my own journey. When I started writing the eulogy and stuff like that, though, like, those are very, I mean, I do that. 
Like, I do this life planning process every single year. When I say life planning, just so you know, like, writing your eulogy is, like, step one. And then assessing every one of those accounts that fit the bulk of the life planning. Where do I envision my health being in X, in, again, say, five years? Where am I at presently today? What are the commitments I'm willing to make to get there? And you go through all of your accounts in doing that. And I think when I went through that exercise, I'm like, okay, none of these things here say work an extra day. Like, am I lying to myself? Like, what do I do? Like, that was a, like a kind of an internal search for me. Like, am I lying to myself? Or, and so I just had to kind of go on this discovery. But I would be uh, uh, also like, I had to learn to be patient too. I was super like anxious to find an answer. And I just had to let some time play out. Time's an amazing variable, in my opinion. that uh, almost like an investment. If I spend a day and I miss out on a couple of things, like nobody wants to miss out on anything. But if I miss out on one day, can I add five days? You know, if I miss, if, if I miss, I don't know, something, you know, two days, you know, can I, can I add another vacation? Can I be purposeful enough in that time that I am committed away? And so something that Ben, Kitty showed me a long time ago that I've always remembered, and it was like um, he says, "You got to imagine if your if your wife and kids are following you around, and how will you act that day? Would you be embarrassed, or would you be proud of the way that you were?" And so um, you look at that. If, if you could operate and be proud every day, you'll have more time. If you can be purposeful with your your time, you will have. It's an investment. system to 
And so, like, when you ask the question, do you feel bad at 299? My challenge to you, if you're open to receiving a challenge, would be you're asking the question, can I actually survive with less than 300? Instead of asking the question, how can I get the same output in my business by doing 301 plus? It's two things. They sound really similar, but they're approaching it from two different perspectives. Yeah. It's the cheat the system this way or cheat the system that way. We're cheating the system no matter what. It, that's what I'm getting when you when you say that. No, that's, that's, good. that's really good. I mean, and again, it's squeezing as much out of, which is why, like, which is why, like, Tim Ferriss does a really great job in Tools of Titans, um, where he describes, is it Tools of Titans or Tribe of Mentors? Maybe it's Tribe of Mentors when he asks all of individuals he's interviewing, tell me how you, teach me how you say no. There is an art to saying no. There is an art to it. The older you get, the less you care about that art. (laughs) I mean, I really don't care about offending people anymore, but I used to. Um, But again, there is an art to it. There is a strategy to it. And I think we all, all of us, have to say no more often. Because we're saying yes to a lot of things that, that we know jeopardize our days. So I would say, like, I've never been great at grinding it out for work, but grinding it out, like, on a personal level, like, just life and fun has always been kind of my forte. And so I think, I I really shine in this area, but I think, um, yeah, but I would say that, you know, when you look at it, I remember the first time that when my girls were very little, and I can vividly remember, I was like, said, could I not be at this event that really, in the scheme of life, wasn't that big of a deal, but it was so, such a conscious decision to be there. They were four and five, six, something like that, Um, and it cost me exactly $8,700 and something dollars, Um, and I'll consciously go back through that moment and think about what I saw in this celebration of a life, all the kids going around the circle, doing all the little things. Just being able to remember that, but also one of the things that I like to do in that I do a lot with our team is go backwards on, like, so instead of count the days that we take off, so we count vacation days, and we add everybody's up, and that's the number at the end of the year we celebrate that, how many open houses we did, and we talked about the number of homes we sold, but how many days off a year, because I mean, I've always been this kind of exact counter, like, and I count weekends, like, days where I should have been working, but I could have, you know, been doing, you know, work, but instead, I chose my kids, my family, um, hanging out with my friends, going, you know, to a star party with my dad, like, all the different things, because you just, you never get that back, and to me, measuring those days, because that's really, in my mind, that's what a life worth living is about, that's why I became an entrepreneur, that's what we, I mean, the civil people really matter, I mean, people matter to me, the business doesn't matter that much to me, and I've always been, I mean, I think keeping that such a clear focus on, it means nothing if you don't have it for other people, if you don't have it for the life that you want. Did you ever, did you always feel that way? Always. Really? Yeah, I mean, to me, I would rather, I've always said that, like, if this gets too complicated, I will walk out the door, I just don't, it's just not, it's not, I love it, but I love it's about you. Yeah, I mean, like, and I do actually go to the movies and I just roll up, don't take anything out. Well, tell me real quick, I hope you don't mind me asking a personal question. Like, like uh, growing up, did your parents live that way too? Um, what, just like kind of whatever? Well, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're kind of whatever. I mean, you're, I mean, you're not really, you're a high achiever, right? So, like, no, I meant like uh, prioritizing life experience over work experience. I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, I'm the oldest of five kids, so, I mean, we had no money, but, you know, we just had no money, so, no, it was, like, is everybody alive, you know, are all the kids here, like, that's, I mean, like, really, when you have a lot of kids, that's kind of how you live, but we had great experiences, and we, my dad is a big celebrator, um, and, like, even if it was, like, weird stuff, like, he just won a Corvette contest in town, which is really not even that exciting, but the program is I mean, that is, I mean, for real, he actually did that, and that's, that's yeah, I mean, he's, he's funny, so he, but he was a, he's definitely a celebrator. You know, I, I, I asked because, um, well, I, uh, thanks for sharing.
the studies. My parents didn't work around the clock. And I had to almost like rewire myself. Um, not almost, I had to rewire myself. And I'm wondering like, what's my behavior now? And what I'm trying to teach my kids, how will that impact them? That's why I was kind of asking you, like, was the environment conducive to that, to the thinking that you have today or you now have passed to your kids? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would say my dad, I mean, he did work a lot because my mom didn't work for a long time. Um, but I think it was just always kind of been inside of me. And it does. I mean, being an entrepreneur takes a lot. And it's, it's a love. It's a passion. But, I mean, the reason why we do this, I think, is to have the life that we want. And so that was all, you know, I was there. I was thinking, you know, if I could figure out a way to make a billion dollars and sit at home and watch Netflix, I would do that. But I can't figure that out. Yeah, I mean, if I could figure out how to do that, I would do that, but I haven't, so this is the next best thing, but we all work for money, like, and the life that we want, and so it's always about having the life that I wanted. I'm a, I just, I don't know, I push you joy on really hard, um, and that's, I mean, I just, that's all. No, it's a dialed to a concept of interest. Have you read the book yet? I have not. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it, because I think there's a lot of that in there. Any, uh, any other thoughts or ahas? A couple? So my girls are older now. They are 19 and she's going to be 22. So I went through the younger stages and I would work 365 days a week and go home. But my husband told me that I was not getting it done. So I think we did the check-ins because I didn't want to put any stress on him. We went and got some check-ins and we had to be careful Take shape after the camp. Like, you know, I bet you. I think, though, you're on a journey, though. But we all are, right? I think everyone's at a different stage of that journey, different experience of that journey. Be curious to see, like, five years from now, what, what's coming out of your mouth. Because I, I don't know. Yeah. Dude, I, I thought I was the young guy. <laughs> so, just tag up what she said. Somewhere early on, we had some family problems with her parents and my parents and ourselves, and we decided to read a book called Bound by Us by John McLeod. And what came out of that was that, and I was busy doing work all the time, and there was imbalance in our life. And instead of me telling my wife what was balanced for me, I had to actually get to the point where I asked her, what is the ideal work life would be looking for you? And so we started to practice that. And it got to a point where she realized the boundary she set wasn't actually and it got to a point where I was home too much. And she's like, oh, I'm going back to work. And it freed me up. So that's part of that journey is you do a little bit of shit and dancing. But that's a great journey to be on for somebody. That's cool. I have four kids now. So talk about time demand. Thank you. 
Suarez uh, and their team are, are throwing this event downtown Thursday and Friday um, at the Sheridan. And it is just pretty much 20 to 30 minute segments back to back to back to back to back. It's called Build How. And every segment starts with how to blank, 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 how to maximize your time or how to build a massive real estate portfolio or how to overcome a challenging market. And so they're interviewing um, a number of individuals around these very specific topics, um, real estate people as well as business people and some really special individuals, including um, Brendan Burchard, who I think is I think is one of the biggest you know badasses in the game. Um, I, I don't understand why he's not as well known as he should be, uh, but he, he is amazing. Uh, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, the guy with the people, you know, medals. Um, those two, uh, Mac Newton, who is um, like literally a real life Forrest Gump um, from catching shrapnel, jumping out of a helicopter in Vietnam to being a ninth degree black belt, um, Taekwondo. Um, and the guy's got stories galore. He's overcome an awful lot. I know he'll be there. And they've just got a handful of other, other amazing, amazing presenters. It should be a pretty, there's, I think there's 1,100 people that will be in attendance, all real estate professionals from all around the nation. So I don't know, I mean, you guys probably connect on that, but do you have anything for that? No. Kevin's presenting, I forgot, it's Brennan Richard, followed by Kevin Kaufman, followed by Michael Phelps. <laughs> Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty, and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.